Hello once again, and welcome to the Calgary Stampeders podcast. I'm Dave Rowe. And I'm Jock Wilson. And this week, we are going to be talking about influencers on the Calgary Stampeders. You know what I like about this week? What do you like about this week, It's just you and me. There you go. (laughs) No 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 interviews. special guests, no interviews. Exactly right. Pure Jock and Dave. Just keep it at 100. Isn't that what they say? I, I, I tell you what, doesn't get much better in my books. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> but, uh, the only bad thing is that we're going to actually be talking about other people instead of just ourselves here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so what we're doing this time around, uh, we're coming up with a list of the top five influencers on uh, the Calgary Stampeders. And what do we mean when we say influencer? Well, you know, we're talking about just, you know, who made the Calgary Stampeders? You know, who is responsible for creating, I guess, the identity of of the team that we have now. And, you know, you can go anywhere with this. You know, if you wanted to, you know, get one of the equipment guys, uh, coaches, uh, players. I've got, uh, you know, some more builders, I think, on my list. Uh, I don't know which sort of direction you're leading. I I think the builders are probably the route to go when Mm -hmm. you really are talking about influences for, you know, this Stampeder organization that has such a long, rich history. You know, and, and when I was doing my list, I'm thinking, okay, where does Wally Buono fit on? Does he make my top five list? Mm-hmm. You know, he's close, but he doesn't make my top five list. You know, Why a guy really? like wow. a, a guy like John Frizzani, you mm-hmm. know, he's close, but he doesn't make my top five list. You yeah. know, Normie Kwong, you know, I, I I hummed and hawed, you know, does Normie Kwong make my top five list? No, but Normie Kwong was, you know, huge, not only as a player, but as a president of the organization as well. You know, you can go way back. I, I never knew Jim Finks, but you do a little research and you see what Jim Finks meant to this organization. He could certainly make, you know, somebody's top five list. I don't think there are any wrong answers when you go, this is my opinion, this is your opinion. Okay, well, let's start off with my opinion. Okay. Uh, for uh, my number five uh, guy on the list of Stampeder influencers, and I'm going back uh, in time here, I'm going back to Les Lear. And of course, uh, mm-hmm. Les Lear came along a few years after the Stampeders were founded, and uh, I think he's the guy that you look, that sort of really made this, I guess, a professional organization. He went out, you know, got some name players, mm-hmm. and started recruiting players from south of the border, and of course, there's that whole 1940 undefeated team. <laughs> so I think that sort of established, and, and I think that probably helped change the direction of Canadian football at the time because it was still, you know, largely amateur. It was still, I, I don't want to say like fairly disorganized, but you were coming out of the war and the CFL as we right. know it was just starting to take shape. And I think when you look at a guy like Les Lear, yeah, he's got that undefeated team, uh, still the only team to do that, but also just the fact that he started steering this towards more of a professional thing. Who's your five? Yeah, you know, Les Lear is, is a very, very good choice. Didn't make my list, uh, you know, Dave, but but I tell you what, he sort of falls in the same category as Jim Finks because what you described is what sort of what Jim Finks brought to this organization mm-hmm. as well. I, I'm going to go back, you know, to Frank McMahon and his brother George. You know, Frank can Canadian oil man, you know, first chairman of West Coast Transmissions. You know, he was a major racehorse owner and breeder in this city, but I think most Stampeder fans, well, you know McMahon Stadium, right? Yes. And, of course, it is called McMahon Stadium for a reason. Because? Because Frank and George, of course, donated $300,000 to the University of Alberta. It was the University of Alberta back in the day, not the University of Calgary. Uh, So they donated the $300,000 to the University of Alberta to help build, you know, Calgary's 
first ever true football stadium. Yes, there was Mawada Stadium, but this was the first true football stadium. You know, they also guaranteed the $750,000 in construction costs. You know, this is private ownership that basically is doing this, you know, for the University of Alberta. As a public building, As as a public building, exactly right. So, you know, there you go. I've got Frank and George as number five on my influencer list. Yeah, that's not a bad choice at all. I mean, when you look at, uh, again, uh, the role in the community and uh, also the fact that, you know, McMahon Stadium, you know, was and is still property of exactly. the University of Calgary. It is is a it a terrible stadium, stadium now? now? Yes, unfortunately it is, but the bottom line is it wouldn't. Need, we wouldn't even have a football team maybe, you know, without McMahon Stadium. Yeah, I mean, you know, back in the day, uh, back in the day, it was uh, a fine facility, it was, but uh, its it day has passed. And they and, built it so quickly, too, eh? Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and the McMahon name is uh, still uh, something that carries yes. uh, a lot of stroke and, and, around and you, town. And you know what the McMahons have done, too? They have given their, their okay to basically the family has said, look, if you want to get naming rights, if you want to, you know, obviously put some more, you know, money into this stadium, you know, they would they would proudly, you know, give up that name so they could get naming rights. And I think that's I'm surprised pretty, that I think that's hasn't happened classy. because the family yeah. signed off on that probably about four or five e- exactly. years ago. Exactly. I, I think that's very classy. Okay. So we uh, disagree on number five. Uh, a guy, a guy who's not on my list, a guy who's not on Jock's list at number five. Let's move on to number four. And uh, Jocko, who you got it for? I have John Huffnagel mm-hmm. at number four. And, you know, hey, maybe I'm a little biased because I have been here for every single day of John Huffnagel's era. Yeah. And what can you say is a true builder? And, and you can go back to when he was a player on this team. But when he was hired in 2008... I really do believe, you know, the the organization took a major step forward. Now, you could argue that it was it was a little shady how he was hired because Tom Higgins was still employed and, you know, maybe a lot of Stampeder fans didn't like that, but you cannot argue the success that John Huffnagel has brought to this team, not only as a coach, but as a builder and just the foundation that he has given this organization. You know, yes, we would love to see more Grey Cup championships in this city under the John Huffnagel era, but this team always wins. This team has never had a losing season, a losing record under John Huffnagel. Stampeder fans are spoiled, and I do firmly believe it's because of the leadership of the president and general manager of the Calgary Stampeders today. Well, I'm not going to say much about John Huffnagel because I may or may not be saying a little <laughs> something about him uh, a little in later a, on. Few, a few minutes down the road here. Fair enough. Uh, where I'm going at number four is Normie Kwong, and you were saying that you know Normie doesn't make uh, your list, but when I looked at Normie, mm-hmm. the reason he's on here, he's, he's on here for for a couple of reasons for me, because again, there's still community ownership in the CFL. You mm-hmm. look at Edmonton, you look at Winnipeg, you, you look at Saskatchewan. And community ownership was the model for a long, long time in this in this league. And then in the 80s, as we all know, the Calgary Stampeders really fell on hard times. Uh, you know, you had the the SOS campaign. You know, mm-hmm. basically just you know like begging fans to come out and buy tickets just to keep this thing afloat. And Normie Kwong was was at the helm of that. You could maybe criticize. Uh, that group of leaders for letting things get to the point that it was that bad. But I prefer to give them credit for getting this thing organized to the fact that they were able to keep this afloat to remind the people of Calgary that this uh, that this team is important. And also, if you look at the, the end of Normie's term, he helped transition into private ownership. He was around uh, when Wally was, uh, was brought to town. Mm-hmm. And then the first transition to private ownership, and I've got a little more to say about that later on, but again, uh, a great name, you know, when you talk about Normie Kwong and all things Alberta and, uh, and Alberta football. Sure. And also as an influence 
influencer. When you think about, again, that's what this list is all about. Mm-hmm. People who have had an influence on the direction of the Calgary Stampeders. I think it's an excellent choice. And as I say, I hummed and hawed whether I should put Normie Kwong on my list. Uh, you know, because again, he's done it all as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, for Edmonton and for Calgary as well. But, you know, really as the president of the organization, everything that you just uh, talked about, I think it's a great choice. As I say, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. Uh, great answer. He just didn't make my top five. Yeah, it's, uh, again, that, the fact that we're limiting this to five really, mm-hmm. I think, makes it tough because, you know, there's so many people that uh, have had that influence on the direction of the Calgary Stampeders. Moving on to number three, and uh, I think I'm going to get your eyebrows up here. Okay. Larry Rickman. Larry, wow. <laughs> this is influencers. This is not idiots. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> wow. Okay. But let's, you know, let's look at influence. Again, you know, we talk about, you know, transitioning into uh, into private ownership. And okay, so Larry didn't pay a whole lot of bills. Let's be <laughs> let's be real clear Larry about that. Larry was an interesting cat. Let's but, leave it at that. Yeah, Larry was an interesting an interesting cat. And when you look at the direction he took the Calgary Stampeders, and not only the Calgary Stampeders, but he also helped to shake the the league up in in the 1990s. I mean, things were pretty stodgy in the CFL when you you look through the 80s, getting into the 90s, and you start getting more private ownership. Uh, there was you know, Murray Pezum in BC. Another guy who had a little bit of package that went to... Uh, I had more respect for Bruce McNall and John Candy and yeah. Wayne Gretzky than I had for Larry Rickman, but that's but yeah. just my own opinion. But yeah, you know, think of, you know, think of the times, you know, you had these, you know, these colorful owners, as you mentioned, in you know, the Toronto ownership group, uh, you know, like a, a guy like Murray Pezum, who was, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a celebu stock guy out yes. in Vancouver. Nut bar. And, and, and Larry Rickman, but Larry Rickman came in, ushered in the era of private ownership, and he also took things to a different level, just uh, in terms of marketing. I mean, that first Grey Cup festival that that Rickman organized mm. here was was fantastic. I mean, you went from, you know, the old, oh, here's the Grey Cup parade and Miss Grey Cup and, you know, a few, uh, basically a few hospitality suites to, you know, events all over town. You know, the Grey Cup uh, fan festival, the, uh, you know, the, the concert tent uh, of questionable memories. Did that actually happen or not? You know, with, I think it was Colin James that was playing it. But, <laughs> Again, it just just sort of took things to a different level, and also was one of the masterminds of the U.S. expansion. And oh, that as, was a big success. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, yes, it was, Jock. And here's why: because you basically found some people that were gullible enough to cough up some money that the CFL needed to survive because the CFL was not on solid financial footing. They got those U.S. expansion fees, and that money saw the league through some uh, through some hard times. And while he left town under, shall we say, a cloud of suspicion, I don't think you can deny the influence that Larry Rickman had. Okay, well, again, that's your opinion, your list, and, uh, and that's why these lists are kind of fun to do. But uh, the only memories I have of Larry Rickman is he threw a hell of a Grey Cup party oh, on man. the top of the Calgary yeah, Tower, I which, fuzzy I, memories which I don't think he's ever paid for. Again, don't hold me to that one. Uh, but we had a great time. We did. And, and I remember him uh, jet-setting around in his limos, uh, you know, with lovely ladies and cheerleaders and everything else. So anyway, those are my only... And, and hey... 
as far as I'm concerned, he almost rode this team to the ground uh, because of some of his financial uh, dealings. But uh, I'll leave it at that because uh, some of the hear- stories I hear about Larry Rickman uh, a little a little crazy. So uh, anyway, he didn't even make my top ten. I I didn't even put him put him on the uh, on the radar. <laughs> what cr- criminal charges? One of the factors on your list. Who you got at number three, pal? Number three is a gentleman that we had on the Calgary Stampeder podcast just a couple of episodes ago. Stan Swartz. Yeah. Uh, Stan Swartz, unbelievable. He's done it all with this organization, not only as a, as a coach, you know, as an administrator, you know, running McMahon Stadium, you know, for all of those years and just the transition. He has gone. Yeah. You talk about people that have had to work with, you know, all of a sudden public ownership, private ownership, you know, the transition. Uh, this guy has seen it all. Mm-hmm. And, and and I tell you what, I just have so much respect. The fact that he is in the Hall of Fame uh, did that just last year. I, I, I have so much respect for Stan Swartz. And, you know, he's going to write a book. And I can't wait until that book comes out because yeah. he is going to tell some true stories. And he had to deal with Larry Rickman's of the world, and and uh, you know he he you know and he had to deal with uh, you know influencer number two, which is coming up in just a second here. But Stan Swartz, uh, he he's number <laughs> and three. And he on never my list. walked out on a bar tab. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Okay, well let's uh, let's see. So you got me you got me interested here. Yes. So let's move up to number two. Okay, number two on my list is the first uh, private owner of the Calgary. Stampeders, and that is Sig Gucci. And and you t- you've already referenced, you know, the Save Our Stamps situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sig Gucci, really, without without Sig Gucci stepping up and taking over this team, uh, there is no question in my mind that we wouldn't have a Calgary Stampeder football club yeah. in this city anymore. And you know, and unfortunately, you know, Sig Gucci lost a lot of money in the oil patch, and and you know, he, but he, but his heart was in the right place. Exactly. And and without Sig Gucci, as I say, I don't think this team would be even here today. He stepped up, and from all accounts, you talk to the players, you talk to people like Stan Swartz, they just have so much respect for what Sig Gucci because he cared about this team, he really wanted this team to succeed, and I would have loved to have seen him be the owner for a long, long time, yeah. but as I said, he ran into some trouble in the oil patch and, and just couldn't financially afford it anymore. But without Sig Gucci, as I say, uh, you and I wouldn't have jobs, uh, you know, in the CFL right now. No, exactly. I mean, Sig uh, Sig was a guy that I hemmed and hawed about uh, about putting on my list. I guess uh, the one thing, the the one thing that maybe just sort of moved him back was when I was thinking, okay, influence, influence. I mean, certainly, you know, his ownership w- was vital when he came mm-hmm. in. You know, when uh, when when things were were pretty bad, and he was such a, a fans owner as well. But I, I guess. And this is not an insult or anything, but I'm, I'm going to say it was like sort of a, a caretaker uh, sort you know sort of regime where you know he marshaled the team through some tough times. He did. You know, never as you say, he didn't really have the money to say, okay, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this thing and I'm gonna go big. But Sig was a guy who walked in through the front door. He didn't you know hide out in some owner suite. He sat in the stands with the fans. I remember he was uh, I was heavily involved in Race City. One of our guys. Had a Calgary Stampeder sponsorship. I said, how'd you get that? He says, well, I ran into Sig Gucci. I said, hey, can I have some money for my stock card? He goes, sure. And Sig gave him a few hundred bucks. Like, I'd have to pay for the paint and the helmet sticker on the hood of the car. Sig showed up at one of our, our Race City parties. That's just the kind of guy yeah, he was, that, yeah. uh, that, that Sig Gucci was. And, uh, I mean, it's just the, the only unfortunate thing about the Sig Gucci era is it led to the uh, Federick era. 
Uh, and yes. <laughs> and, and no, the Federick era did not make my top five no, list. Mine neither. How about that? <laughs> anyway, for, uh, for my number two, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go, uh, you know, onto the field and uh, into the coach's room and I'm going to go with John Huffnagel. Fair enough. And uh, John Huffnagel, again, as you know, when, when you talk about what he's done with this team, uh, the standard of excellence that he's been able to maintain. Yeah. I'd love, uh, I'd love some more great cups. I mean, really who wouldn't, but at, you know, would you, trade the the certainty i guess the certainty that we have of a team that is going to be able to compete at an elite level year in and year out and that is something that we've had constantly under john huffnagel and as an influencer on this team uh you know in terms of of culture in terms of attitude i i think he's really established that yeah that's that's why he made my list as well dave and uh, i had him number four you had a number two bottom line is he uh, you know and, and again you can you can weigh the wally Wano era the uh, the john huffnagel era mm-hmm. which is more successful well you know john huffnagel's era still continues and 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 it's trending in the right direction so uh you know you can't say anything negative about the guy <laughs> the only thing negative is maybe they could have won more championships and and that's too bad yeah exactly now uh, we're coming up to uh, number one here mm-hmm. so who wants to go first well, uh, let me go first okay. then. Okay, and uh, we'll see if we have the same number one. Okay, because uh, my number one influencer in Calgary Stampeder history is a builder. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he was a World War II veteran. Uh, he was a gunner. He he actually went through forty-one bomber missions in World War II with the Royal Canadian Air Force. And and I tell you what, you've already referenced the Save Our Stamps, you know, campaign. And he really was the guy that took it through. I, I, I know you gave Normie Kwong a lot of credit, but yep. I, I think Tony Anselmo is the gentleman yeah. I am talking about. Tony Anselmo is a member of the Football Hall of Fame. He is a member of the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. You know, he's a, a member of the Order of Canada. He lived to the ripe old age of 91. And, you know, not only not only did he care about the Calgary Stampeder, you know, organization, you know, he cared about the city, he cared about his team. You know, he was a director of McMahon stadium society for so many years you know he he we, I, I referenced frank and george mcmahon you know getting mcmahon stadium built where yeah. tony and selma was very very important in getting a 32 million dollar upgrade you know to mcmahon stadium to you know keep it up to standards and and that was so important so you really look at the you know and and, and if you don't know the name I, I challenge any Stampeder fan to, to Google it. You know, he was with this organization from 73 to 2009 and just so, so important, you know, for the direction that this team and this, you know, organization has had over the years. So Tony Anselmo, number one and, and a clear number one on my list. And uh, certainly an important, even though he's not uh, a name that uh, Stampeder fans would recognize, even if you look up at the Wall of Honor and go, who's mm-hmm. Tony Anselmo? But no, definitely great, uh, very worthy of uh, of the honor there. Uh, my number one, again, you so say you go back a little bit further in this town than me, but uh, the I arrived in town about the same time as Wally Buono did. Okay. And I'm going to go with Wally Buono because, I mean, at the time, you know, gee, Larry Kaharik didn't make your list. How about that? <laughs> but... Uh, well, I say the '80s were the '80s were not good. They I mean, were a disaster. All, we, you know, we, we've referenced that. Uh, you know, from a business standpoint and from a football standpoint, this team was crap on the field. And you know, Wally Buono comes in. And immediately with, you know, with guys like, uh, you know, with, with Danny Barrett, uh, the star power, you know, Alan Pitts, uh, you know, coming to this team mm-hmm. as, a, as a coach and general manager, Wally established that culture. And that's why I have him ahead of John Hoffnagel, because when you look at, uh, at what Wally did and the culture that he was able to build, you know, John Hoffnagel is a disciple 
of of Wally Buono and does things the way Fair that uh, that that Wally uh, that Wally has done. I mean, it would be interesting to see what had happened, what kind of transition there would have been if we didn't have to go through the the F Troop era because Wally got run out of town. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're going to play my kid at quarterback. No, I'm not. Yeah, that's <laughs> tough. You're that's tough. you're fired. But uh, again, he brought pride to the Stampeders. He brought a, a competitive product to the Calgary Stampeders. Made you know again that 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 whole combination you know the the private ownership getting the great up into town and and a good product it just it, it made the Calgary Stampeders sexy again relevant again and and they've now been on that run for you know closing in on on thirty years as as class of the CFL. Hey, it, Wally Buono certainly would have been probably number six on my list when I was breaking it down. He didn't make my my top five, uh, Dave, but uh, it's tough. And 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 I had Huffnagel a little further up. I had him number four, but I, I certainly agree with everything you're saying about Wally Buono. He was uh, so important to this city. So I, I just want to recap for you my top five list. I got Frank McMahon and his brother George, you know, because of McMahon Stadium. They're number five. John Huffnagel is number four on my list. Stan Swartz, number three. Sig Gucci, first private owner for the Calgary Stampeders, number two, saving the organization. Tony and Selmo, number one on my list of influencers. And I have got uh, Les Lear, the man who gave us the unbeaten team in 1948. Uh, Norm Kwong uh, for his uh, life of uh, service to football and a life of service to pretty much everything right. in Alberta. Larry Rickman, controversial. Very colorful, controversial. But uh, really did uh, help to establish a little bit of pizzazz uh, around things. And then I go with uh, John Huffnagel, the current leader of the Calgary Stampeders, and my number one, Wally Buono, the guy yeah. who uh, is is the guy in, in my mind that created the Calgary Stampeder culture of today. I, I think what we've learned from this list is there is no wrong answer, and there's been so many great influencers for the Calgary Stampeder organization. Hey, who do you like? Did we miss anyone? I don't think so between the two of us, but you can always let us know. Hey, remember the Calgary Stampeder podcast. You can find it at all of your favorite locations, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, tune in, download it from the website as well. If you like us, take a moment to rate the show and leave a comment. If you really like the podcast, please make sure you tell a friend about us and leave a suggestion for a future show. For Jock Wilson, thank you very much, Dave Rowe. I'm Dave Rowe.